6 a.m. on the West Coast. 9 a.m. on the East Coast. 2 p.m. in London, England. It is 7.30 in Mumbai, India. 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan. And in Malaysia, it's 1962. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Never, never, never. Happy New Year and welcome to 2022. It is here. A brand new year. The first day, our first show of a brand new year. It's going to be a great one. And to all you naysayers out there, shut up, sit down. Luna Amethyst, welcome in. Happy New Year. You saw me in the metronomics video. Yeah, the No Straight Roads uh, New Year's greeting. It's out there. I posted it on most of my social media. But uh, if you look up uh, No Straight Roads or metronomic, uh, you can find the video. I am the voice of uh, Cliff in that game. And uh, they asked all the voiceover artists and a lot of the other artists, uh, graphic artists, things like that, animators, to uh, do greetings. And uh, so we did, and you'll see me in there. In fact, you'll see me right here on the set of my show, only I'm, I'm that way, so you can see the setup that we have here in our studio. Christine! Hey! <laughs> Happy New Year, Christine. Welcome to you. A dear old friend. Uh, well, I don't mean old. I mean a friend from long ago, okay? I just I don't, don't get offended. I just, you know, I want to be clear about that. Anyway, Christine, great to see you, and I hope you're doing very well. And again, happy, happy New Year to you. All right, let's get uh, let's get on with the important business here, huh? Miko update. Yeah, yes, the little girl Mimiko, our Shiba Inu, is doing very well, and she is uh, just so excited about all the holiday stuff going on. She keeps getting presents. She rang in the new year with us last night. And uh, in fact, there she is uh, at our front door. And uh, yeah, she uh, she had a great, great time uh, at New Year's Eve. She always enjoys whatever she does. And uh, this is the beginning of our, our New Year decorations because we celebrate two New Years. We're a half Chinese half Guaylo household here. So uh, we do the Chinese New Year, which is coming up less than a month away. It's early this year. I mean, you know, it's based on the moon calendar, lunar calendar, but uh, it's at the end of this month, Chinese New Year. So um, yeah, but uh, I, of course, have to add my Japanese decorations to everything. So uh, we added these uh, these two these two guys, these are a typical uh, Japanese New Year's uh, traditional. It's like for the Shinto gods or the spirits to uh, to come in to welcome them. And uh, so we put these up we, uh, every year. These are homemade with bamboo and some pine and traditional uh, designs here. So, yeah. And, of course, our favorite little girl right in the middle. And, yes, by the way, to those who commented, that is our Christmas tree in the background. It's basically tinsel taped on the wall because we don't have a Christmas. They're, they're very, if you can find them even here in Malaysia, 
they're like eight billion dollars so there, there will be no christmas tree in in our house so yeah um okay luna got some questions here let me get let me get to uh luna's uh questions um you saw no way home last night oh cool uh yeah uh, no uh chinese new year is in i think it's january it's at the end of this month before it turns to february i'm pretty sure the exact day of the first day of chinese new year i'm not so sure Man, we got so many of my old Cornwall friends in here tonight. This is amazing. Penny Martorell, happy new year to you. Thanks for popping in on the stream. Great to see you. Do you still live in Cornwall? I think that you do. My God. I, you know, almost once a day. All right. To be honest, maybe once a week. I have these memories, little things. I, I think it's because I'm, you know, a thousand years old, but I, I, just the other night, somebody posted something about it snowing. And I have this memory of walking down at night from my house in West Cornwall, down Route 128 towards Utzler's store, and just past what used to be the antique barn. I stopped and I listened. And that sound of snow, snow has a sound was amazing and that it's just a nothing moment in my life i can't even tell i was probably a teenager but i so can close my eyes and even i feel it i hear it the sound of the snow falling i, I can feel it i know i'm goofy that way but yeah oh so you're in amherst mass all right well not that far away from uh from Cornwall, Connecticut, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Luna also says, random question, but what influenced you to audition for Cliff? Um, well, to audition, they asked, and I said, absolutely. Uh, love to. Fantastic. What, what inspired me or influenced me to, to, for coming up with the voice of Cliff? I just thought of him as a whiny, sneaky kind of guy, and just the voice just came. It's not far away from my regular voice, really, but uh, I, I just added a little bit of whininess to it. I, I knew what was happening in the story, so I, you know, I couldn't give that away with playing the character. I, when I did the character in uh, Shadow Play, I play uh, the father uh, in, if you ever see the, sh the uh, film Shadow Play, uh, I play the character that Tony Yusuf plays, I, plays his, I play his dad. Uh, so anyway, you know the whole script, you know what's happening or what's going to happen, but you've got to put yourself in a place where you're, you know you're headed towards that ending, but you don't reveal any of it, so yeah. Love him, love roasting him. I love seeing, you know, I have checked out all the boards and Cliff has a very bad reputation on, on a lot of the, a lot of the uh, chat boards out there. And yes, people love to hate that character and I love to read it. So please feed me more. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, love roasting Cliff. Um, Penny says, it's the best, that sound of snow, especially, oh, you're right. Yeah, especially the first snow and the snow at night. Um, 
I, I read an article, in fact, we talked about it on the show not so long ago, that there's a scientific reason and that snow actually does make a sound when it falls. And it had, I can't remember the details, but it had something to do with the acoustics and the reflective quality of the snowflakes. And Okay, I, okay, we got reconnected. I don't know what's going on. It's tech, all right? I'm going to try and reload this. I don't know if you missed or what you missed. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what happened. Whoa, I don't want to do that, do I? No, I want to put this over here. And then I want to just give me a second, all right? Just stand by. <laughs> Be patient. I'm working on it. Did you got? could you put that in the chat? The chat is still working as far as I know, but I see we are still okay. Okay, we're back on YouTube. We are back on twitch.tv, I think, and rumble.com. We are also still on Rumble, so we're okay, at least out of most of the... Yeah, we're still on Rumble, we're still on Twitch, and we're still on YouTube. Okay, so if you're on Facebook, I hope I'm still there. I have no idea. All right. Got to move on. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, Betty. Mm. We lost this amazing woman. I know that you've heard of it by now, of course. It's been all across the news. And there have actually been fake reports of Miss White's uh, passing uh, in the past. It's happened several times. Sadly enough, this one uh, was... Oh, Facebook is working. Thank you, Penny. Uh, sadly, this one is... Uh, is not fake. It is true. I'm sure you've seen the stories. We lost the last of the Golden Girls uh, last night, yesterday. Uh, she was just weeks away from turning 100 years old. She was born in 1920. Yeah, anyway, it's so sad about Benny. Uh, Penny says, so sad about Betty. What a wonderful human being she was indeed. VJ Musami. Hey, VJ, happy new year to you and all the best back at you. Thank you. Um, yeah, Betty White's passing was uh, was a sad, sad moment. And uh, we've, we've lost one of the great ones. She was an incredible human being. Amazing. All right. Uh, it was the new year last night here in Malaysia. Of course, we had, uh, you know, orders go out that there would be no fireworks and there would be no celebrations and everybody's all going crazy nuts. Oh, Omicron's going to kill us all. Blah, blah, bullshit. Uh, anyway, so a lot of I didn't realize this because I stayed home, but I it's not because of, you know, any virus. I just chose to stay home. We rang in the new year with a shot of sake. In 24 karat gold sake cups, by the way. Ooh, very ritzy. And uh, and that was pretty much it. Uh, nothing much else happened. But uh, apparently people said to the authorities, yes, and crowds thronged Bukit Bintan in KL to greet the new year. Cops, of course, issued thousand ringgit notices or summons to about 12 people for refusing to disperse. Uh, and here you see some pictures. This is actually a strange piece of actual journalism from the Malay Mail, believe it or not. They rarely do 
real journalism. Usually it's scare and fear porn stories just to, you know, make you afraid. But uh, yeah, how about that? Look at this picture. There you go. There's some revelers ringing in the new year. Eh, pretty much everybody's got masks on, useless masks, but uh, ain't no social distancing going on here. <laughs> anyway, oh, man. Yeah, look, uh, you know what? There's been people screaming also. I see some of the comments in some of the uh, uh, places. Um You have these people who say, oh, we're going to have another. You don't need to wait for the government to tell you to lock down. Just lock yourself down. Go ahead. Lock yourself in your house. Wear your mask in while you're driving alone in your car. Uh, you know, just, just go ahead. Nothing's stopping you. You go ahead and lock yourself down if you want to. Feel free. Yeah, go ahead. The rest of us will get on with our lives over what it amounts basically to a cold, okay? There going to be a lot of people hate me for this, but I really couldn't give a crap less. Have you, at the bottom of this picture is, this is from the CDC. You know, we all love the CDC. Oh, they're so wonderful. Not. Their list of symptoms for Omicron. Runny nose, headache, fatigue, sneezing, and sore throat. Strangely enough, if you look at the little red lines there, that exactly matches the things that NyQuil takes care of for a cold and flu. I've said it before, folks. I'll say it again. Viruses mutate so they don't kill their hosts, so they can spread. That's how they survive, and they become less deadly. Okay? So before you all get your knickers in a bunch over Omicron, you need to do the research. You need to find out the real science, not the crap that CNN tells you or the BBC. By the way, I found a great list. This week alone, just this week, CNN says cloth masks don't work. The CDC director said PCR tests are unreliable. It's a fact. Fauci, Dr. Death, 10-day quarantines can now be cut to five. Biden, there's no federal solution to beat COVID-19. They're shifting the narrative, folks. And of course, if you're in the U.S., you know that midterms are coming up. Not of course, I'm sure that has anything to do with anything. And that's where we're going to stop being controversial tonight. <laughs> we're going to get on to what we usually do here, which is have some fun and talk about some funny stuff. Have you paid your taxes yet? I know it's only the first day of the new year. Your taxes aren't due yet. No matter what country you live in, I don't believe anybody has to pay their taxes like on the first day of the year. But when you do file your taxes, how honest are you? Come on, no, I mean, really, how honest are you? Nobody's listening. Nobody will know. Do you know what you have to declare? This is from PJ Media. The link's in the show notes, by the way. Below in our show notes, all the links to all the stuff we talk about. You can just go read the article yourself. Because I don't read the whole article for you. I just highlight some stuff. The, <laughs> the IRS says you must declare 
as income as the year comes to a close. Time to start thinking about taxes. Tax day still months away for you in the U.S. What is it? April 15th, I believe. Uh, for many that aren't very good at bookkeeping, though, how tax season can be a rather stressful time. And so just be aware that if you have stolen property, you know, if during 2021 you stole something, you have to report it at its fair market value in your income for the year. I'm not making this up. This is from a posting. This is from the actual IRS, the Internal Revenue Service. You have to report it, its value. If it's money, then the value would be obvious. If you stole a car or something, or some handguns, or, you know, what do people steal? Some Gucci bags and some of these uh, peaceful protests. You have to report its value in your income unless you return it to its rightful owner in the same year. Okay, so you could return it and then you don't have to pay the taxes on its value. So just keep that in mind, pal. You got some stolen merchandise? You need to pay your taxes. See, death and taxes. Death and taxes. Can't avoid them. Anyway, it's a funny article. Read it. It's true, but uh, check it out. It's in our show notes, uh, our, our description tonight. You'll find that. Man. Yeah, I'm sure all of the, uh, you know, the, the bank robbers and the bad guys out there, they, they, they can't wait to be able to, uh, to pay their taxes on their stolen merchandise. <laughs> Coffee break. Hey, if you go to twitch.tv, check the about page for Jay Sheldon No Pants. You can find this. This is our show logo. See, looks just like that one. There you go. It is actually purple. It just doesn't come that way on, on camera. And on the other side is our little lady, Miko. It's Miko merchandise. We got mouse pads, stickers, ball caps, hoodies, t-shirts, sweatshirts, all kinds of cool stuff. So go to twitch.tv slash jsheldonnopants. You see this everything link right there? Link tree, jsheldon. There's a, there's a link there that'll take you right to twitch.tv. Then you find the about page. You find Miko merch, merchandise. Click there. Get some cool stuff. All right. We spoke about this, just the headline, but we didn't talk about it much on a previous show because we didn't have time. But I did want to spend a little bit of time talking about this tonight. You believe in UFOs? I do. I absolutely, I always have. I always have. I have... I had never seen one or something I thought was an unidentified flying object until about a year or two ago here at my current location in Subang in uh, Malaysia. But I thought I had my first UFO experience. I believe what I was looking at were a couple of drones, so professional-sized drones, but I think it was not... I was hoping it was a UFO, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought about what I'd seen, I have a feeling that it was a couple of uh, professional drones flying around. Uh, it was at night, so there was lights. The lights didn't look like drone lights, though. So maybe. Anyway, I have my entire life always believed that uh, we are not alone in the universe. I mean, 
If you really think about it seriously with what science has shown us, this new telescope going up that's up now uh, is going to show us even more. Uh, there's just no way we can be alone in this unimaginably immense universe. It's just not possible. Um, but anyway, this article appeared, and uh, they have actually, the folks at NASA, have brought in 24 theologians to talk about aliens. Well, more, more correctly, to talk about how would society cope with the idea if they found out that aliens exist, that we are not alone. How would you, I mean, I told you before, I, I'm open about it. I am an agnostic, uh, bordering on a atheist. Um, I believe that we have an energy, a spirit. I don't believe in a particular God. I've studied all the major religions and some non-major religions. I've studied with uh, everything from uh Seventh-day Adventists, the Mormons, uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses. I was baptized a Catholic as a kid, a very young kid, uh, Protestant, Congregationalist. Um, anyway, um, even the, uh, what's that lunatic, fringy, freaky bunch of, uh, Tom Cruise is a big one of them. I forget now. Hey, you know what I'm talking about. Um, anyway, uh, it's brought me through all of those studies to really have the opinion that I don't believe there's anything. And I think when we're done with this life, we're just simply done. But uh, if you are a believer and you believe in the Bible or the Torah or the Quran, um, then you believe that God created everything, including you and me in the first humans, in Adam and Eve, and so if you were to find out that there were other forms of life, intelligent life, living on other planets, how would you reconcile that with your belief in your faith? Now, look, you know me. My motto is you do you, I'll do me. Don't judge. I don't judge. You believe whatever you want to believe. Got no problem with that whatsoever. But I am interested in how you would reconcile if you found out with absolute certainty, thousand percent proof, that intelligent, human-like beings of one form or another existed outside of our Earth. It's a most interesting question. And uh, so they're asking, what, uh, they're asking some theologians, how do they think the public would cope with that? I have a feeling it's just another step forward into what soon, soon is an undeterminate amount of time, but soon will be revelations that indeed we're not so alone. So yeah, interesting article. Links in the show notes tonight down below. And check it out. Uh, including if you're listening on the podcast to our audio-only version of our show, you can also check that out. Uh, we'll get another 
Oh, cool. Cool story from Chili Sauce. We love the folks at Chili Sauce. World of Buzz and Chili Sauce. We use them a lot on this show, so we encourage you to go over there and give them a click. Again, links in the show notes. Chili Sauce did this article, The Surprisingly Dark Incidents Behind Five Things We Have in Malaysia Today. I have heard this story. I didn't know a whole lot of details about it, but this is what they refer to as the Hiroshima of Sungai Bulo. And uh, from that, apparently, Bomba's hazmat team. Um, the folks, uh, the folk song Ulek Mayang is actually about a sea princess and her sisters stealing the soul of a fisherman and refusing to give it back. And those baby-on-board signs actually came about because of a baby being left in a car wreck and dying. Uh, Apparently that's an urban legend. Anyway, just for fun, Chili Sauce looked around for other Malaysian things, and uh, they are not urban legends. And that includes the Bomba. Bomba, if you're not in Malaysia, is our fire department. The Bomba's hazmat team came from a massive fireworks disaster. Uh, In addition to putting out fires and relocating dangerous snakes, uh, the fire department can actually handle chemical and radiation spills. And that's thanks to a relatively new, from 1992, hazmat team, hazardous materials. Um, Why did we suddenly decide to have a hazmat team? Well, a disaster so great it was nicknamed the Hiroshima of Sungai Bulo. Uh, in 1991, an accident happened at a Bright Sparklers Fireworks Factory in Sungai Bulo, which is a town here in Malaysia. And uh, someone messed up and blew up a factory full of explosives. Uh, the explosions that followed were so great it could be felt in a seven-kilometer radius away from the factory. Needless to say, many people died or were injured. Uh, And there was another fireworks factory explosion the next year, in which the government then realizes they weren't uh, just factories exploding. There were a lot of chemical fires, residue involved, and uh, decided that they would train the fire department to handle that and develop the very first hazmat team. Interesting. The Rukun Nagara. The Ruku, it wouldn't be too far-fetched to say that even primary school students are familiar with our Rukun Nagara. Some older exercise books have them on the back cover. Um, the government realized after the racial riots here in 1969 in May, May 13th, a horrible time in Malaysian history, Uh, But the government then realized how fragile the racial balance and stability in this country was. And so the uh, multi-backgrounded National Consultative Council, NCC, was tasked to brainstorm on ways to uh, not let this happen again. So it set up a bunch of principles that every Malaysian should adhere to and came out with the Rukun Negara Committee which drafted the Rukun Nagara. Uh, Pillars of the nation is basically what it is. And they include concepts such as loyalty, well-being, justice, belief in God, to name a few. 
And along the way, like things like upholding the Constitution were added in as well. And uh, you can check. There's a link in the article. Again, I'm not going to read the whole article. I encourage you to go check it out on Chili Sauce and uh, find out more about it. So it's, it's quite cool. But uh, there are some odd things here that had their origins in some of Malaysia's rather dark history. Rather cool. All right. We're going to go a little global now. We told you our second uh, favorite uh, website is a world of buzz because these guys are just amazing. Uh, they, they truly are. And um, they did a great article. We've had, as we mentioned in so many previous shows, these incredible, dangerous, and very deadly floods happened here in Malaysia. Uh, thankfully, what has forecasted to have been some continuous rain didn't so much develop. It's still raining occasionally, but uh, off and on. Not the torrential downpours that we had that led to the insane flooding and landslides that happened. But uh, this link also, pleases in our show notes, and do check it out because it's such a great story from World of Buzz. Uh, inspiring Malaysian man with only one leg volunteers to help flood victims with the aid of his crutches. There's some pictures here. Uh, I may be an okay you, but looking at their condition, I no longer think about my own inadequacies. OKU is an abbreviation that, that means a, a handicapped person or physically challenged person. Uh, and this guy put on the boots and grabbed his crutches and jumped right in. And uh, again, I've shared so many stories on this show about the amazing, common, everyday Malaysian of all races, of all religions, of all genders, you name it, whatever it is, that just put all that crap aside because people need help and these people are fellow Malaysians and they come through. And um, this guy came through in spades. In an interview with Astro Awani, uh, Mohammed Sukur Jab, who is a person with disabilities, shared his story about how he volunteered with the cleanup efforts uh, he's 45 years old, lost a leg following an accident when he was 11 and just felt the need to step in and help. And so he did. And so to you, sir, a tip of the hat. And again, another fantastic story. Please do read it. It's from World of Buzz and you'll find the link in our, uh, in our show notes tonight. I got to reopen a tab here because I wanted to show you this. Ah, yeah, this is it. Check this out. You know what that is? We were talking about um, we were talking about aliens on strange planets and uh, whether or not there was life out there. Is there? Is there not? Obviously, the words give this away. And if you're listening to the podcast, I'm sorry. Check out the visual. Our videos available on Rumble.com, YouTube and uh, twitch.tv and Facebook. Uh, I'm not wearing pants or Jay Sheldon, no pants. This is the earth, but you rarely, if ever, see it from this angle. This is our planet from the 
Pacific Ocean side. Look at that. You can just see a little bit of Australia peeking in there. And I'm going to guess this must be the Mexico and the U.S. Look at that. I was today years old when I realized how big the Pacific Ocean is. This is incredible. You've got to see, if you're listening on the podcast, please do go check out because it's, it's crazy. It's insane. Wow. All right. Just something cool I found I wanted to share with you. And one more, and then we're going to get to our book. We're doing Tom Sawyer, so that's coming up. We're on chapter three. <clears throat> this is a, uh, a rather interesting um, a rather interesting article that appeared that gives you some perspective. Look, there's no denying that we live in some very challenging times with all the things going on in the world, and it affects nearly everyone in the world. And uh, there's no denying these are difficult times. But for a small amount of perspective, imagine you were born in 1900. And when I thought about Betty White's passing, she was weeks away from being 100 years old. This, she missed it by about 20 years. But this basically would also describe, in a way, Betty White's life. It's not the description of Betty White's life. But think about this. If you were born in 1900, when you're 14, World War I started. It ends on your 18th birthday with 22 million people killed. Later in the year, a Spanish flu epidemic hits the planet and runs until you are 20. 50 million people die from it. In those two years, 50 million. When you're 29, the Great Depression begins. Unemployment hits 25%. Global GDP drops 27%. That runs until you're 33 years old. The country nearly collapses along with the world economy. When you turn 39, World War II starts. You aren't even over the hill yet. When you're 41, the United States is fully pulled into World War II. Between your 39th and 45th birthday, 75 million people perish in the war, and the Holocaust itself kills 6 million. At 52, the Korean War starts, and 5 million perish. In nine, at 64 years old, the Vietnam War begins. It doesn't end for many years. Four million people die in that conflict. As you approach your 62nd birthday, you have the Cuban Missile Crisis. Tipping point in the Cold War. Life on our planet as we know it could very well have ended. Great leaders prevented that from happening. When you turn 75, the Vietnam War finally ends. Think of everyone on the planet born in 1900. How do you survive all that? A kid in 1985 didn't think their 85-year-old grandparent understood how hard school was. 
And yet those grandparents, and now great-grandparents, perhaps survived through everything I just talked about. Perspective. It's an amazing art. Try and keep things in perspective. Help each other out. Be smart. We'll get through this. In the history of the world, there has never been a storm that lasted. This, too, shall pass. That's really nice. And I believe I put the link to that in our show notes tonight. But, uh, yeah, some perspective on uh, exactly how things, uh, things go. Wow, scary stuff, huh? All right, <clears throat> I, uh, I'm going to move on and move over to our book because that's how we end every show. Uh, we read books on this show at the end of our program. It takes 15, 20 minutes or so. And uh, we've done all the classics. They come to us uh, from the public domain, an amazing place called the Gutenberg Project, gutenberg.org. And uh, we've done The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. We did Peter Pan, The Little Prince, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, you name it. We've done a bunch of books. This is our 158th show, I think. And uh, we are uh, just started uh, Tom Sawyer. And I think when we're done with Tom Sawyer, we may very move well move on to The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn because we're loving doing Tom Sawyer. Uh, so this is chapter three. Remember, please, by the way, I always want to let you know that uh, this was written in 1876. And some of the words, while appropriate at the time, are today considered vulgar. We are reading exactly what is written the way it was originally intended to be read. Tom presented himself before Aunt Polly, who was sitting by an open window in a pleasant rearward apartment, which was bedroom, breakfast room, dining room, and library combined. The balmy summer air and the restful quiet, the odor of the flowers and the drowsing murmur of the bees had their effect. She was nodding over her knitting, for she had no company but the cat, and it was asleep in her lap. Her spectacles were propped up on her gray head for safety. She'd thought that, of course, Tom had deserted long ago, and she wondered at seeing him place himself in power again in this intrepid way. He said, "'Mayn't I go and play now, aunt?' "'What, already? "'How much have you done?' "'Oh, it's all done, aunt. "'Tom, don't lie to me. "'I can't bear it.' "'I ain't, aunt. "'It's done.' "'Aunt Polly placed small trust in such evidence. "'She went out to see for herself. "'She would have been content to find twenty percent. "'When she found the entire fence whitewashed,' and not only whitewashed, but elaborately coated and recoated, and even a streak added to the ground. Her astonishment was almost unspeakable. She said, Well, I never. There's no getting around it. You can work when you've a mind to. 
And she diluted the compliment by adding, But it's powerful seldom you're a mind to. I'm bound to say, Well, go along and play, but mind you get back sometime in a week, or I'll tan you. She was so overcome by the splendor of his achievement that she took him into the closet, selected a choice apple, and delivered it to him along with an improving lecture upon the added value and flavor a treat took to itself when it came without a thoroughly virtuous effort. And while she closed with a happy scriptural flourish, he hooked a donut. He then skipped out and saw Sid, just starting up the outside stairway that led to the back rooms on the second floor. Clods were handy, and the air was full of them, twinkling. They raged around Sid like a hailstorm. And before Aunt Polly could collect her surprised faculties and sally to the rescue, six or seven clods had taken personal effect, and Tom was over the fence and gone. There was a gate, but as a general thing, he was way too crowded for time to make use of it. His soul was at peace now that he'd settled with Sid for calling attention to his black thread and getting him into trouble. Tom skirted the block and came round into a bunny alley that led by the back of his aunt's cow stable. He presently got safely behind the reach of a capture and punishment and hastened towards the public square of the village, where two military companies of boys had met for conflict. According to previous appointment, Tom was general of one of these armies, Joe Harper, a bosom friend, general of the other. These two great commanders did not condescend to fight in person, that being better suited to the still smaller fry, but sat together on an eminence and conducted the field operations by orders delivered through the aide-de-camp. Tom's army won a great victory after a long and hard-fought battle. Then the dead were counted, prisoners exchanged, the terms of the next disagreement agreed upon, and the day for the necessary battle appointed, after which the armies fell into line and marched away, and Tom turned homeward again. As he was passing by the house where Jeff Thatcher lived, he saw a new girl in the garden, a lovely little blue-eyed creature with yellow hair plaited with two long tails, while summer frock, white summer frock and embroidered pantalets, the fresh-crowned hero fell without firing a shot. A certain Amy Lawrence vanished out of his heart and left not even a memory of herself behind. He had thought he loved her to distraction. He regarded his passion as adoration. And behold, it was only a poor little evanescent partiality. He'd been months winning her. She'd confessed hardly a week ago. He had been the happiest and proudest boy in the world only seven short days ago. And here, in one instance of time, she'd gone out of his heart like a casual stranger whose visit is done. He worshipped this new angel with his furtive eye till he saw that she had discovered him. Then he pretended he didn't know she was present and began to show off in all sorts of absurd 
boyish ways in order to win her admiration. He kept up this grotesque foolishness for some time. Ah, oh, but by and by, when he was in the midst of some dangerous gymnastic performances, he glanced aside and saw that the little girl was wending her way toward the house. Tom came up to the fence, leaned on it, grieving, hoping she would tarry yet a while longer. She halted a moment on the steps and then moved toward the door. Tom heaved a great sigh as he put, as she put her foot on the threshold, but his face lit up right away, for she tossed a pansy over the fence a moment before she disappeared. Well, the boy ran around and stopped within a foot or two of the flower and then shaded his eyes with his hand and began to look down the street as if he discovered something of interest going on in that direction. Presently, he picked up a straw and began trying to balance it on his nose, with his head tilted far back, and as he moved from side to side in his efforts, he edged nearer and nearer towards the pansy. Finally, his bare foot rested upon it. His pliant toes closed upon it, and he hopped away with the treasure and disappeared around the corner but only for a minute, only while he could button the flower inside his jacket, next his heart, or next his stomach, possibly, for he wasn't much posted in anatomy, not hypocritically, anyway. He returned now and hung about the fence till nightfall, showing off as before, but the girl never exhibited herself again. Though Tom comforted himself a little with the hope that she'd been somewhere near some window. Uh, meantime, and had been aware of his attentions. Finally, he strode himself home reluctantly with his poor head full of visions. All through supper, his spirits were so high his aunt wondered what had gotten into the child. He took a good scolding about clotting Sid and didn't seem to mind it in the least. He tried to steal sugar under his aunt's very nose and got his knuckles tapped for it. Aunt, you don't whack Sid when he takes it. Well, Sid, don't torment a body the way you do. You'd always be into that sugar if I weren't watching you. Presently, she stepped into the kitchen, and Sid, happy with his immunity, reached for the sugar bowl, sort of glorying over Tom, which was well-nigh unbearable. But Sid's fingers slipped, and the bowl dropped and broke. Tom was in ecstasies. In such ecstasies that he even controlled his tongue and was silent. He said to himself that he wouldn't speak a word, even when his aunt came in, but would sit perfectly still till she asked, Who did the mischief? And then he would tell and there would be nothing so good in this world as to see that pet model catch it. He was so brimful of exultation he could hardly hold himself when the old lady came back and stood above the wreck discharging lightnings of wrath all from her spectacles. He said to himself, Now it's coming. And the next instant, he was sprawling on the floor. The potent palm was uplifted to strike again when Tom cried out, Hold on now! 
What are you belting me for? Sid broke it. Aunt Polly paused, perplexed, and Tom looked for healing pity. But when she got her tongue again, she only said, Oomph! Well, if you didn't get a lick amiss, I reckon. You been into some other audacious mistress when I wasn't around like enough. Then her conscience reproached her. She yearned to say something kind and loving, but she judged that this would be construed into a confession that she'd been in the wrong, and discipline forbade that. So she kept silent, went about her affairs with a troubled heart. Tom sulked in a corner and exalted his woes. He knew that in her heart his aunt was on her knees to him, and he was morosely gratified by the consciousness of it. He would hang out no signals. He would take notice of none. He knew that a yearning glance fell upon him now and then through a film of tears, but he refused recognition of it. He pictured himself lying sick unto death and his aunt bending over him, beseeching one little forgiving word, but he would turn his face to the wall and die with that word unsaid. Ah, how would she feel then? And he pictured himself brought home from the river, dead, with his curls all wet and his sore heart at rest. How she would throw herself upon him and how her tears would fall like rain and her lips pray to God to give her her boy back and she would never, never abuse him any more. But he would lie there cold and white, and make no sign, a poor little sufferer whose griefs were at an end. He so worked upon his feelings with the pathos of these dreams that he had to keep swallowing, like he was to choke, and his eyes swam in a blur of water, which overflowed when he winked and ran down and trickled at the end of his nose. Such a luxury to him was this petting of his sorrows, that he could not bear to have any worldly cheeriness or any grating delight intrude upon it. It was too sacred for such contact. And so presently, when his cousin Mary danced in, all alive with the joy of seeing home again after an age-long visit of one week to the country, he got up and moved in clouds and darkness out at one door as she brought song and sunshine in at the other. Well, he wandered far from the accustomed haunts of boys and sought desolate places that were harmony with his spirit. A log raft in the river invited him and he seated himself on its outer edge, contemplating the dreary vastness of the stream, wishing that while that he could only be drowned all at once and unconsciously, without undergoing the uncomfortable routine devised by nature. Then he thought of his flower. He got it out, rumpled, wilted. It mightily increased his dismal felicity. He wondered if she would pity him, if he knew, if she knew. Would, would she cry? and wish she had a right to put her arms around his neck and comfort him? Or would she turn coldly away like all the hollow world? This picture brought such an agony of pleasure, suffering, 
that he worked it over and over again in his mind and set it up in a new and varied lights till he wore it threadbare. At last he rose up, sighing, and departed in the darkness. At about half past nine or ten o'clock, he came along the deserted street to where adored unknown lived. He paused a moment. No sound fell upon his listening ear. A candle was casting a dull glow upon the curtain of a second-story window. Was the sacred presence there? He climbed the fence, threaded his stealthy way through the plants till he stood under the window. He looked up at it long and with emotion. Then he laid him down on the ground underneath it, disposing himself on his back and his hands clasped upon his breast and holding his poor wilted flower. And thus he would die, out in the cold world with no shelter over his homeless head, no friendly hand to wipe the death damps from his brow, no loving face to bend pitily over him when the great agony came. And thus she would see him when she looked out upon the glad morning. And, oh, would she drop one little tear upon this poor, lifeless form. Would she heave one sigh to see a bright young life so rudely blighted, so untimely cut down. The window went up, a maidservant's discordant voice profaned the holy calm, and a deluge of water drenched the prone martyr's remains. A strangling hero sprang up with a relieving snort. There was a whiz as of a missile in the air, mingled with the murmur of a curse. A sound as of shivering glass followed, and a small vague form went over the fence and shot away in the gloom. Not long after, as Tom, all dressed for bed, was surveying his drenched garments by the light of the tallow dip. Sid woke up, but if he had any dim idea of making any reference to illusions, he thought better of it and held his peace, for there was danger in Tom's eye. Tom turned in without the added vexation of prayers, and Sid made mental note of the omission. That's chapter three of the adventures of Tom Sawyer. We'll do chapter four on our next stream coming up on, uh, what, Monday night? Oh, yes, Monday night we have a very special guest. I'm not going to tell you who, but you're not going to want to miss Monday's show. We're going to have somebody live on a video call, and uh, we're going to chat about all kinds of things. We agree on some stuff, we disagree on some stuff, but he has most interesting points of view. And I thought it would just be a really cool idea to bring him on the show and chit-chat and talk about life. I think you're going to enjoy it. That's Monday's episode of I'm Not Wearing Pants coming up at 10 p.m. Malaysian time. All right. I know we lost the stream at one part tonight, and then we got it back again. If it's screwed up, 
and you're seeing only a part or you're missing the first half, I will get hopefully it all fixed if I can, and I'll get it up and, uh, and put it back together again, hopefully. <laughs> Lord knows. Thank you so much for uh, joining us, and I will see you again on Monday night. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Good night. <laughs>